Justin Heimer. I'm part of the leadership team here at Restoration Covenant Church. And in our Storyteller series, we're, this week we're talking about faith stories. And I have an opportunity to share mine with you. It's a uh, story of going from no longer believing to coming back to belief. And so I'm looking forward to sharing it with you. Hi, guys. My name is Jeremy. I am a volunteer staff member here at Restoration. And this morning, I want to start off by telling you about my favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time. It was about 15 years ago, and it started off with some pilots in a briefing room. They were getting their orders. The only difference was these pilots weren't people. They were pigeons. So they got their orders, and the next thing you know, they're flying over the Golden Gate Bridge. As they're flying over the Golden Gate Bridge, it zooms in, and you see they're wearing goggles and leather helmets, old-school pilot style. And the theme song for Top Gun kicks in. You guys know the theme song for Top Gun? So as they're flying over this car wash, you hear uh, the radio of an airplane crackle in, and it says, Target acquired. We've got a freshly washed beauty waiting for us. Next thing you know, there's a guy standing next to his car underneath the sign. He looks up. He furrows his brow. He looks a little concerned, but he gets in his car and he starts driving. As he's driving down the road, two, three pigeons veer off of the squadron and they go into engagement mode. They start flying in down on on the Nissan that's driving down the road. As it takes this sharp curve, all of a sudden they start shooting and poop starts flying everywhere all along the shoulder of the road, misses the car completely. The next thing that happens is the car's driving and it takes a sharp left turn and the, the pigeon starts shooting after it before it turns, and it comes up just behind it. You know how it goes boom, 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 right behind the car as it takes the curve. The only problem is the pigeons overshoot, and they go into a park where a wedding is happening. So there's a picnic table with food and punch and a big uh, wedding cake at the end right down the middle of the table. Boom, 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 punches flying everywhere. People are diving out of the way. The wedding cake explodes everywhere totally ruins it for the bride and groom. They're mortified. The very last scene is the pigeons get one more chance. Just as he's getting in, locking on target to the car, the car takes a turn into a driveway. The bird veers into it. The garage door shuts. The bird smashes into the garage door. And the last scene is from the inside of the garage. The beak is sticking through the inside. And one final radio crackle when you hear, Mayday. I love that commercial. The pigeon lost their engagement that day. The car won. There wasn't going to be any poop on this freshly washed Nissan. Not today. Doesn't that sound like a fairy tale? Not the fact that birds fly, shoot poop, and talk. A nice, clean car. Isn't that what we want in life? We want to have things nice. We want to have them neat. We want to have them clean. Most of us want to have lives where everything goes according to plan. We want enough money so we can live in a nice house. We can drive a nice car. We want to have healthy family relationships, healthy friends. We want to have a job that we love and we wake up on Monday mornings, not with the Mondays, but we get excited to go to work. And none of that is wrong. That's all good things to have and good things to want. But it reveals one thing to us. We all want things to be just right. 
But how often do things go just right? Doesn't it seem like often we get our car washed, we get our freshly clean beauty, and the next thing we know, pigeons are flying above, over above. We get it pooped on right away. Doesn't it even seem like sometimes in life our wedding days, our big days, things that matter to us, get pooped on? You know, the big deal at the moment, and it gets attacked by a squadron of pigeons. Part of what resonates with me about this commercial is that things go according to plan for the car. But imagine if you were the bride or the groom or the birds. It's, the po- it's poop for them. And an exploding cake is hilarious, unless it's your exploding cake. Think about a time in your life when things went just right. You planned, you executed, Whatever you were doing, it went perfect until it came the day of. But what about the day when things don't go just right? In fact, think about a time when something went awful, even though you planned. Why didn't it go according to plan? I think we always often ask ourselves. And I think there's potentially two reasons why. The first one is because possibly we mess up. Now, you guys relate to that? Now, before I tell you how I messed up, you have to remember to be nice to me, even though you hear this. Kim and I were married for about six months, and uh, we'd gotten in a fight one night, and we went to bed just sad and angry with each other, and um, we were laying in bed in the pitch black, and Kim was crying, and I just got so frustrated, and I literally said the dumbest thing I could have possibly said Would you just stop crying? Which, of course, caused her to cry a whole lot more. And everything that was a result of that, I brought on myself. The second reason is sometimes other people mess up our plans. We make plans, but then something else comes in. Someone else comes in and screws it up. Maybe you're thinking of a situation where you had everything planned but someone else ruined it. Maybe a pigeon came in and pooped on your car. Believe it or not, the Bible actually addresses this. In the letter Paul wrote to the Roman church, he's talking to two groups of people who feel like things are not going right. And what we're going to read is that Paul shows them how things are going exactly according to plan. It's just not their plan. It's his. So in Romans 3, 21 through 26, it says... But in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there's no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious life God wills for us. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. God sacrificed Jesus on the altar of the world to clear 
that world of sin. Having faith in Him sets us in the clear. God decided on this course of action in full view of the public to set the world in the clear with Himself through the sacrifice of Jesus, finally taking care of the sins He had so patiently endured. This is not only clear, this is now. It's current history. God set things right. He makes it possible for us to live in His rightness. Today we're going to look a little further at why God as our righteousness is so vital in our everyday life. Paul's telling us that we all have sins. We all fall short of being eligible of right standing with God. By ourselves, none of us, not even the best of us, can measure up. But God himself has generously put us in right standing with him. But if it's this clear, then why do we still question Why do we still struggle with this idea? Some of us hear that and we still feel like we're not good enough. And when we feel this way, we often sit and beat ourselves up. Because we know we're not good enough and we never will be. These are probably our perfectionists here today. Now you guys have to remember, I'm a big participation fan, remember? So if I do this, that means anyone else like me gets to raise their hand. You don't have to though. This is the group of people who automatically thought about a time when they screwed something up in their past. The good part is that these people tend to take responsibility for themselves. The bad part is they tend to be extremely hard on themselves. Maybe you're stuck today because you're too hard on yourself. You won't forgive yourself. How about the other group? People who thought of a time when a pigeon pooped on their wedding, when someone else came in, and messed up their plans. Maybe you've been stuck because you wanted justice for that person. Maybe you're stuck because you haven't forgiven the offender. Because no matter which group you're in, you and I get stuck, we all do. So if you're stuck, you're not alone. Everybody is there at some point. And the funny thing is, there's really no difference between either group Everyone has things that have not gone according to plan. And we are all incapable of making everything right ourselves. We fall short, remember? And God, our righteousness, actually came to do something about it. Now we're going to watch a video of a story of a man whose life was going according to his plan. But then he realized that things weren't just quite right. Take a look. I grew up in a Christian home um, in southeastern Minnesota. I, my parents were uh, grew up in the Church of Christ denomination, and then they were divorced, and my uh, dad went back to his Catholic roots, and my mom uh, married a farmer uh, who was a Lutheran. And um, over the years, I got confirmed. I was baptized as a young uh, infant and just kind of went through the motions. Uh, to be honest with you, it didn't really mean anything to me, but it was uh, a comforting and secure home. And then when I went off to college, I um, started to learn a lot about philosophy and uh, evolution and so forth, and that really started to challenge my, you know, beliefs in a God at all. And, uh, you know, I got to the point in my life where I was becoming agnostic, even uh, atheistic in my views, thinking that 
you know, even though um, science hasn't completely solved the answers that it ultimately would, and so I started to drift further and further away from spirituality and belief in a God. So during that time in, in college, when I was in that uh, space or my uh, that worldview, I was realizing that in conversations with friends and family that I, I was actually shaping who God was and who I thought he was or wasn't and, and uh, that started to permeate and, and give, give me a sense of pride in, in my life that I had control or knew what was going on and so and then I started to focus more on things that were just uh, fun my activities in college were focused around having a good time and, and not so much even thinking about God and, and what concerns uh, I might have or he might have in, for my life. And so I was just on cruise control, not even thinking about God. So during that time, I didn't even really realize that I was missing anything in my life. And it was about that time that my now wife, Renee, came up to college and had a roommate named Carrie who really started to make me realize that I was missing a, something in my life. She was just a different person. She was extremely friendly, very selfless. She had an inner peace and joy about her, and it made me curious to find out what, what was this all about. And, you know, come to find out, to no surprise, that she was a very strong Christian, and she started to share her faith with us. And it just got my curiosity peaked again about um, looking back into the possibility of the existence of God and, and specifically what that meant in Christianity. And so, Met, met on uh, the Campus Crusade for Christ on campus there and they you know, shared the pamphlet that you're maybe familiar with where it shows the picture of the cross being in the center of your life versus outside of the circle. And so I started to become a skeptic, I guess you'd say again, and be curious to start looking deeper into my faith. And uh, so I, I started to read apologetics books, if, if you know me, and this, you know, Rob and Rebecca, they, they probably uh, chuckle at me saying this, but I like to have logical data points to, to come to uh, conclusions, and so um, that's what I started doing. I started reading books. I started reading books like uh, Michael Mayhew's Darwin's Black Box, uh, Greg Kuchel's Relativism, uh, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. All of these books helped me um, resolve my logical skepticism in, in belief in God Christianity, and that was a big step for me. You know, it started with Carrie, who was, you know, emotionally appealing, I guess you'd say, that, that somebody had a strong personality that drew me in, but ultimately I needed to be satisfied logically, and so I was able to go through those logical pro progressions and realize that not only faith in God, but in Christianity specifically, it's a very logical um, worldview. And it's consistent with what we see in, in our lives to, in, in everything, in everyday life. So during this time, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had a belief in Christianity, but I didn't really have a relationship with my Lord and Savior. And it took you know a few years for me to realize that. Renee and I uh, were married. We came to go to church down here in the, in the Twin Cities. And... Everything seemed like it was going just fine. And uh, there was a couple of things that bothered me, though. I kept hearing about people sharing their faith stories and how it was, you know, they had a personal relationship with the, their Lord and Savior and how it transformed their life. And I 
also had this overwhelming sense of guilt about the sin in my life. I, I started to realize in reading the Bible the sin that I had in my life, and it was just a big weight on my shoulders. And those two things were just you know, there, and they were a heavy weight, and they were bothering me. And it was about that time that I received this pamphlet from church. It's this little black pamphlet called Something to Think About. And uh, I read it, and I read it with Renee in bed. And basically at the end of it says, are you committed to a set of Christian values or are you committed to the person of Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? And I realized, and Renee realized at that time that we weren't Christians. I asked Renee that. I said, do you think we're Christians? And she said, no, I don't think we are. And so we prayed that night and asked Christ to be the, the, not only our Savior, but our Lord and the center of our lives. And so I actually took this pamphlet, put it in a Ziploc bag, and uh, took it down with me when I got baptized. Ever since then, I've noticed a lot of changes in my life. First and foremost, that sin that was heavily weighed on my shoulders, I don't feel that anymore. I feel liberated you know, from those, those feelings. I know that Jesus paid for my sins once and for all, and that I don't have to be perfect. He's already taken care of that for me, and that's a huge burden off my shoulders. Coincidences that I used to think are coincidences, I realize are opportunities given to me by Christ. I also have a lot more active prayer life, you know, praying with uh, daily with, with my, my God. And also that, um, you know, just my whole thought process in life, I'm always thinking about whether or not what I'm doing is honoring God. It may not always be proactive. I have plenty of George Costanza moments where I think about it. Oh, shoot, I wish I would have done that after the fact. But I just am always thinking about Christ and, and honoring Him. Returning the, the favor, I guess you would say, or returning the love that he gave me. And that it's just given me a huge inner peace and a huge you know, joy and peace in, in my life. And uh, you know, I kind of think back to the, the college days where the Campus Crusade for Christ pamphlet again, where the cross is in the center. And I feel like that's the case for me now. And it just has given me great joy and great peace. you're out there and you're skeptical, if you're looking for logical conclusions to draw about your worldview or why are we here, um, if you're feeling an emptiness or you're feeling you know, like, like sins or like you're guilty about, um, you feel guilty about your actions or that you're not perfect enough, that you don't have to worry about all those things. There's a, there's a God in this world who wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you. Once you have that, it's transforming for your life. It's, it was transforming for me and continues to be to this day. And the neat thing about all of this is I think back to Carrie and what she did for me in my life, and I feel like I have that opportunity to do that with others now, to be a Carrie for other people that if you know they look at me and, and, and see you know, minor peace and minor joy that they'll maybe get curious themselves or become a skeptic and start to seek out uh, their Lord and Savior. Did you guys catch the part of Justin's story when he said that... Um, 
at one point, he had been shaping who God was in his mind. That he was making God out to be something that he really isn't. That God, not necessarily who God, who God really is. How that led to pride in his life. That's a part of my story as well. I had this idea of God that it kind of matched up with what the Bible said. Parts of it anyways. Just not all of it. And see, I had just enough there to get me in a little bit of trouble. It wasn't that I didn't know God at all. It was that I only knew a little bit. And I needed to know him fully to know who he was. Have you ever done that? Have you ever gotten an idea of who God is? Maybe it was influenced by circumstances in your life. Maybe it was influenced by people in your life, things you heard about him. But maybe it wasn't really a part of who God is. I think we all end up there sometimes. Today, the name of God that inspired this message is Yahweh Sidkenu. The word literally translates the Lord our righteousness. Righteousness is not a popular term in today's culture. Nobody wants to be told what's right. So how can we even say anything is righteous? Just the other night, a coworker asked me, what are you talking about this weekend? That was a great conversation. We're talking about righteousness. And he goes, oh, but that's completely subjective. So I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, righteousness, I mean, everybody has a different, different definition of what, what's, what righteousness is. And I'm like, yeah, but we're talking about what the Bible says righteousness is. And he goes, well, but there's a lot of Christians who have different views about it. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean the Bible doesn't tell us about it. So we're talking about that. See, we live in a culture that wants nothing to do with right or wrong. And that sometimes seeps into us and it sometimes seeps into our church. The name Sid, Sidkenu means righteous. And righteous primarily is talking about right standing with God. But the problem that we've already talked about is, is that we can't be in right standing with God. Not ourselves. We don't measure up. We are separated from him. Imagine for a second with me, okay? You're standing at the edge of the Grand Canyon. Have you guys ever seen the Grand, been to the Grand Canyon? It's so big. You're standing right at the edge. And on the other side of the Grand Canyon is God. It's about 18 miles away. And standing next to you is Mike Powell. Now, you probably have no idea who Mike Powell is, but he holds the world record for long jump at 29 feet, four and one quarter inches. Now, I'm no super athlete, but I could probably run and jump about five feet. That's my guess. So imagine here, I'm standing next to Mike, and we're about to jump to the other side of the Grand Canyon, right? Stretching. Got to get those hammies all warmed up, because that's a long jump. Being gracious as I am, I say, Mike, you go first. So Mike backs up. He gets a running start, gets to the edge, jumps, and gets every bit of 30 feet. He's got the new world record. Well, now he's done it. I can't not do it. So I've got to back up, and I take one step, and I take another, and soon enough I've got a little momentum. I get right to the edge. I jump as far as I possibly can, and I made seven feet. I'm so proud of myself. All the way down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Now, you can probably connect the dots and realize that we didn't land well. 
And no matter if he jumped 30 feet or 7 feet, we both ended up at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Doesn't really matter anymore. This is what trying to achieve righteousness by ourselves is like. But we don't have to achieve righteousness by ourselves. That's what we read. Remember verse 24? It says, God put us in right standing with him. He put us there. A pure gift for us. We didn't have to earn it, and we definitely didn't deserve it. But God gave it to us anyways. That's what happened with me. I had to come to realize that I can't make God right by changing him into who I want him to be. I can't mold or shape God. I have to let God mold and shape me. That no matter what group I was in, that God could make me right. And he had, past tense, not going to, has. That's what the good news is. Have you ever heard the gospel referred to as good news? That's what they're talking about. We're separated from God, and God brought us back together. I no longer have to find my righteousness in myself. I can find it in Jesus. That no matter if I make mistakes that cause me to face adversity, whether some pigeon comes down and poops on my freshly washed car, or even my wedding day, God has made me right with him no matter what. And because of this, I have to share this good news with other people. That's what Paul says in Romans 1, 16 and 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. I want to invite Justin up to tell one more part of his story, and then we'll close. So good morning. Uh, So Jeremy calls me this week and says that the ending video that we shot of my um, faith story didn't come out. It was had some lighting from the windows that came in, and so he asked me if I could come up and just do this live um, after each service, and so I thought, okay, maybe this is a good thing because you know how the camera adds 10 pounds to yourself? Well, here I can come in front of you and not have that extra 10 pounds, but um, then I got up this morning and weighed myself and realized that I gained 10 pounds since we shot the video, so my Nissan didn't make it into the garage. So, um. Anyways, uh, in Matthew uh, 15, Jesus tells, us, uh, tells his disciples to go and uh, preach the gospel. And that verse was very hard for me um, to try to, you know, think about how I could do that as a, as a believer. I mean, I'm not a pastor. It's hard for me to preach. Uh, and it's hard for me to think about how I could break the ice with that kind of a Uh, conversation with somebody, you know, maybe say, hey, did you watch the game last night? And oh, by the way, you're a sinner, you need a savior, and Jesus loves you. Uh, It's hard for me to think about how I could bring that into reality. But then 1 Peter um, 3.15 tells tells us to always be prepared to share the the hope that you have, or give a reason for the hope that you have. And I realize that that's another way to preach the gospel, and that's what the video um, 
today was an example of. It's just sharing, um, you know, what God did in my life, how I came to believe, and how he's impacting my life now that I am a believer. And so if you also are having a hard time trying to decide how you can uh, preach the gospel, I would just encourage you to just share your own story. Just say how you came to faith. Tell about what God is doing in your life today. And in doing so, you'll be preaching the, not only preaching the gospel, but you'll be glorifying God. And maybe, just maybe, you'll be a, a transformational uh, uh, figure like Renee's roommate was for me. Um, so, thank you. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Justin. For the record, Justin looks great live and on video, right? Today we talked about two different types of people. People who face pigeon poop because of their own choices and people who are attacked by squadrons. But even though there's two types of people, there's really honestly only one type of person. All of humanity is separated from God. Like Justin said, it's not fun or easy to say to someone, oh, you're a sinner. But I kind of have to read the Bible and do that because we all are. And I'm the first one to point at myself. We all are. All people are. And we're all separated from God because of that. And the only way to bridge that gap between us and God, the only way to bridge that grand canyon, the Bible says, is to accept Jesus as your Lord. We have to realize first that we need something more than ourselves to be in right standing with God. We have to see the graciousness of God in enduring our sins patiently and allow God's free gift, his pure gift, to come into our lives. When we do this, the Bible says that the righteousness that is God is bestowed on us. And we are then the righteousness in Christ. God sees Jesus in us and he becomes our savior. Because Jesus is the only one who can make it across the Grand Canyon. And it's because of Jesus that we can allow him to carry us with him to the other side safely. We can't make the jump ourselves, whether you're me or Mike Powell. But Jesus can carry us. And we can allow him to. 